Take your Bibles while you're standing and turn with me, if you will, to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel. And I'm excited about helping Steve Knight, a man who believes in marriage between a man and a woman, who believes in the life of the unborn, and who also believes in protecting the state of Israel. And if you could help, it's a job, it's $15 an hour. So uh, if you're looking for a job tomorrow, that'll be great. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to read one verse and then we will get started. 1 Samuel 16, verse number 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. I'd like to speak this morning on the subject of your resume. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I pray you will bless during this time. I thank you for our students. I thank you for our guests that are here. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for the fact that your word has truths that can impact our life on a daily basis. I pray you help us to be hearers, but also to be doers. I pray you help us to think seriously about our resume for what we hear in your word today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Many of you have been taught by Brother Chassani to have a resume. I wrote this message fairly recently, and I used it, I think, twice with teenagers on tour this Christmas, and I thought, I need to share this with the West Coast Baptist College students. And I think, I really believe it could be a help to you, but in doing so, I said, what are some examples of some good resumes and some bad resumes? I'd like to show you some resumes examples I was able to find online. Here is one. One man said this. <laughs> Nominated for prom queen. That's helpful. Another one here. I'm detail-oriented. <laughs> if that's not funny to you, F7 is spell check, okay? <laughs> the next one here. Folks, that spells plague, not plaque, okay? <laughs> All right, next one. My duties included cleaning the restrooms and seeing the customers. Well, that's good to know. All right. Another one, go ahead. Able to say the ABC is backward in under five seconds. Now, if that doesn't make you want to hire that person, what will? I mean, seriously. Another one here. There's a good resume. That's pretty good. Someone else said this, and I thought this was interesting. <laughs> Experience when you're familiar with something. And I love the strengths, quads and biceps, all right? You got to love that. What a resume. I think we had one more here. Look at the volunteer experience. Worked at the daycare center for community service hours. <laughs> Probably not something you want to share right away. Okay, thank you, you put those away. Now, I have a unique experience in my life. I have never written a resume. I graduated from college when I was 20 years of age. I got a job by looking for an ad in the newspaper. Went and got interviewed. There was a long line of people. I volunteered to work for free for two days. 
got hired to work for that man for seven years. I was not a student the entire time, worked three years at faculty. And the school where I attended hired me on faculty. And uh, I stayed there, became an administrator there, was there for 14 years. And then from there, I was invited to help start another college. From there, I met Pastor Chapel through his brother, who was a student of mine at Crown College, and that's how I met Pastor. And I've not done a resume, but I'll tell you this, everyone has a resume. You may not have written a resume, and you may not need to have an official resume. I recommend you have one, especially if you're looking for a job at this point in time. Next door to Starbucks right now on uh, Avenue K and Challenger is the Starbucks. Next door is the Upper Crust Sandwich Shop. It says now hiring. It says bring a resume. They want to know what your experience is. That's pretty common. Uh, in the business world, they expect you to have professional people write a resume for you. But while you may not write a resume, you have a resume. Because people will watch you and they will make up a resume for you. Uh, there's something about your resume right now if you've been able to get a job and keep a job. That'd be in a resume. Oh, he's been working at McDonald's for two years. I found out a young man yesterday told me he just got a $2,500 bonus from McDonald's for how long he'd been working there. Pretty good deal. By the way, he was probably there for more than a week. Just saying. Resume. There's something in your resume with your roommates as they watch your daily walk with the Lord. I don't know, but they know whether or not you're consistent in reading your Bible and prayer. I don't know. The Lord knows, obviously. But those who are close to you probably know a little bit about your soul winning. They know if you go out on Saturday morning and you're back 15 minutes later. They would know that. You say, how would you know about that? I was in Bible college for four years. I lived in the dorms for four years. So people are going to watch you and they will say things about you. And that's exactly what happened in this verse in David's life. Now, let me remind you that the Bible says in 1 Samuel 13, 14, and again in Acts 13, 22, that David was a man after God's own heart. That's an amazing statement. David was the man who said about God, early will I seek thee. David said, Lord, search me. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Now, he was very human. He made some big mistakes. But he knew how to repent and stay close to God. But this particular verse takes place very early in his life. And what he'd been doing had been very nondescript. And what most people would say would be very unimportant. He was the youngest brother. He was a shepherd. But a servant had been watching him. And ladies and gentlemen, the people you're working with are watching you. The people you live with are watching you. And the servant gave in this one verse a resume of David. And it's a pretty amazing resume. Now, 
What's really unique about this resume is all the things and the attributes that are said about him, I believe, are emulatable. They're copyable, except for one thing. It said he was a comely person. How you look, that's how God made you. Okay? That's how it is. But what's really going to be important is not how you look, but how you live. As we look at this brief verse, I want you to think about what was said about David and what could be and should be said about us. The first thing we see about David here, it talks about him being a son of Jesse. Can I challenge you today to be a good son, a good daughter? We know that David obeyed his father. We know he did difficult things when his father told him to do it. I'm sure he probably wanted to see the battle, which is what his brother said. But he went there as an errand boy to take some food to his brothers. He obeyed his father. Can I challenge you this morning to be a good son, not just to your parents, but to your heavenly father? Heavenly Father, what would you have me to do today? How would you have me to serve this weekend? Who could I be an encouragement to, a blessing to, etc.? What would you have me to do? We see David, first of all, as a son. I wrote a message this last year for the first time, and I've taught the book of Genesis over 60 times, and I wrote my first message ever on Isaac. The first thing I thought about him, he was willing to follow his father. By the way, a long distance, he followed far, he followed by faith. He followed without his friends. The first thing he did, he followed his father. Are you willing to follow your heavenly father? I don't know where God wants you to go. I don't know what God wants you to do. But I know this, when we follow our father, it's a great thing. The Lord Jesus Christ said this, he said, I must be about my father's business. Are we thinking about our father's business today? But I believe when we're doing that, that's a wonderful thing. Then look down a little further at the verse. It said this, he was cunning in playing. Now I think we all know what he was playing. He played the harp. David was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. By the way, the people in the king's house, and this is such an interesting thought, knew that the right kind of music would affect his spirit a certain way. I believe that's just as true today. The right kind of music would affect him. He was troubled by an evil spirit. They said, you go get David, let him play the harp, that will help him. But when I think about cunning and playing, you see, how does that apply to me? Maybe you're not musical. I am like that. If that is you and you're not musical, welcome to my country. Everybody in my immediate family, my wife, my three kids are all very musical. I am not at all. We have great leadership conferences here. When leadership conferences are, they want to pack out the choir. They bring everybody up there. They don't ask me. I would take up one and a half spots. They don't want me. No. There's a few of us who are very challenged in the musical area. Stand next to Dr. Shetler when he sings sometime. Or even that great icon, Dr. Sisk. Am I right, Brother Godfrey? <laughs> when he sings, it's a strange and wonderful thing, okay? <laughs> I love him, I respect him, but he is in the dictionary under the joyful noise, okay? <laughs> and that's why I feel comfortable standing by him. We make a joyful noise together. 
It's a noise. <laughs> now you say, well, we can't all be great piano players. I think of Brother Price singing. And by the way, that was a testimonial song. Can I just say this? That man, Brother Price, were you out of college for 14 years? He stopped college for 17 years and decided to come back and finish college. With five kids, no, no military discount, no GI Bill, worked two or three jobs, three kids in the Christian school, he graduates in May. It can be done. That's what I said to my wife, I said, that's a little testimonial there. What a blessing. When you get a little discouraged, and you're saying, so I gotta come with $1,400 a month, that's his rent. Am I right, 1400 That's the rent. Plus utilities, plus the kid's school bill, plus his school bill, and God's seen him through. And God can see you through as well. That's not in the notes, but that's good. Cunning and playing. First, he was obedient to his father. Second, listen now, he developed his gifts. He developed his gifts. I don't know what your gifts are, but can I challenge you to develop them? Sharpen them? When you develop your gifts, God will use those gifts if you give them to him. Some of you it is singing. Some of you it is playing the piano. Some of you it's preaching. It's teaching. Whatever it is, God will use those gifts if you give it to him. Develop them. You may find it very strange someplace you're working right now. Learn all you can in that area and see how God could use it later on. I was distraught my sophomore year of college when I lost my job after two weeks. I had the perfect job, working two to 10 at the front desk of a hotel where I was living. I had no car. I could study while I was there. How great is that? And then one day, that particular hotel, the Balmoral Woods Inn in Crete, Illinois, 17 miles from our campus, my college rented two whole floors and roadway trucking company rented two whole floors. The manager, Tom Arnold, I'll never forget the name, walked in with a big stack of magazines, Playboys, and set them behind the counter. He said, we're gonna sell these. I said, I'm not gonna sell them. <laughs> I remember taking a towel and putting it over the top. And he did not know I did that. And he came back one day and said, you gotta sell? I said, I can't sell those. He said, I'll fire you. I said, I'll sue you. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm 19, I'm, I'm very experienced at that. He said, well, okay, you just lost your job. Go wash dishes in the kitchen. From the perfect job, sitting at the desk, studying, just come from my school clothes, sit down at work, how great was that, to the kitchen? I literally cried a few tears. I'm back there washing dishes. Huge, huge kitchen. There were three different restaurants there. The one kitchen worked all of them. But as fate would have it, the Lord, the head cook there was a guy by the name of Ken Anderson, who was a student at Hiles Anderson College. He's been a pastor in Colquitt, Georgia for over 35 years now. He said, hey, how about if I teach you to cook? Number one, I didn't want to wash dishes. Number two, I'm thinking food, praise the Lord. <laughs> I said, that would be great. I think Satan meant it for evil, God meant it for good. 
And now, folks, for the last 37 years, I've overseen college dining halls. Maybe it wasn't such a bad thing. I learned what I could, learned how to do things from him. By the way, after that one year, I moved back closer to the main school. It was three miles away, got a job at a restaurant where I worked seven years. Oh, because I learned how to cook the year before. And that job put me through college. That job allowed me to work and save up for a down payment on a house. My wife worked there. My brother John worked there. My brother Tim worked there. Got a job with Kerry Schmidt there. Uh, Dan Outler, who was a music director in, in uh, Rockford for 30 years. I got him a job there. All because it started but develop your gifts. So follow your father, number one, develop your gifts. Number two, look down a little bit further. It says this, he was a valiant man. He was brave. He was willing to stand up for something. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world today where we're going to have to stand for something. It's been said a man who won't stand for something will fall for anything. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. Will you stand for the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you stand for right? Temptations will come. You'll be offered things you should say no to. Be willing to say no. Robert Frost, I mentioned his name in a class in recent America the other day, one of America's greatest poets, wrote a poem called The Road Not Taken. It says there, that choice made all the difference. Be willing to stand. Stand up. The Bible is full of the biographies of people who stood. Daniel stood. And we tell children his stories today. Obviously, the Apostle Paul, what a life. But he kept standing. The Apostles, do you know what happened to these men? It cost them everything. And a secular thing, those signers of the Declaration, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. It cost almost all of them their fortunes. But there was a greater good. Will you be valiant? Will you stand? Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldier of the cross. I hope you'll stand up at work. I hope people will know that there's something different about you. I did some things right in that when I worked as a college student, some things I did. I had a good testimony, but I was not a good witness. Stand up enough to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. They called me Mark the Baptist, my brother John the Baptist, and we didn't allow bad music or bad, bad words or bad jokes, but I wasn't trying to get people saved. Oh, I had my excuses. The church was 20 plus miles away. I didn't have a car. And that's what they were, was excuses. And having done all to stand, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works to glorify your Father which is in heaven. He was a valiant man. Not only did he go up against Goliath, which is amazing, but with a slingshot, he's fighting a lion and a bear. Folks, God is greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Be willing to be brave. Take a stand. Take a stand for what's right. So you see, he was a valiant man, a man of war. But then it says this. He was a prudent man. A prudent man. If I were to describe the word prudent in one word, it would be the word wise. 
I'm teaching one of my classes, Pro Trading, right now on wisdom. I would encourage you sometime to go through Proverbs and circle every time that wisdom is mentioned. The Bible says this, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What do wise people do? By the way, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. He was a prudent man. He was a wise man. Can I tell you very simply, you may not have this class with me. I'm going to give you four ways to get wisdom. Jot them down. Here they are. The first way we get wisdom, we ask God for it. James 1, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Ask God for wisdom. Ask him for wisdom. <laughs> I came in a little bit late because we were dealing with a problem. I tried to call Dr. Getch. Tried to call, call pastor. Had to deal with the problem. Dealing with the tournament. Man, we want wisdom to make the right decisions. We need wisdom. In and of ourselves, there dwells no good thing. So first of all, you pray and ask God for it. Secondly, second way to get wisdom Go with wise people. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Would your friends be considered wise people? Would your friends be considered wise people? He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Or are they simple people? Are they scorners? Or are they foolish? Four major types of people. So we ask God for wisdom, first of all. Secondly, not only do we ask God for it, but we be around wise people. Can I tell you this? If you'll hang around Brother Furso, you will be a better soul winner. He challenges me in that area. Can I say this? If you hang around Dr. Getch, you might have a little more of a burden to memorize Scripture. You agree with that? How many think that would be a wise thing to do? It'd be a good thing. And I challenge you with that. We look at Dr. Getch, we say, that's great, that's awesome. Here's a tough question. Did you learn one new verse over Christmas? Six weeks. And we parlay that into, we have time for that which is important to us. Wise people. And please remember, conversely, the other side of that. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. He that walks with wise men should be wise, companion fools will be destroyed. Thirdly, we get wisdom from the Word of God. The Bible says this, it says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. The entrance of thy words giveth light. I lived in dormitories for four years. I sat where you sat. The schools, two schools I attended, one for one year, the other for three years, were both 2,000 miles away from my home. You know one thing I discovered very quickly? Uh, that most of my roommates didn't read their Bible every day. And I know school's busy. I know there's a lot going on. But we need the Word of God. Take time to be holy. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It'll challenge you. I'm finishing up the next day or two the book of Deuteronomy as we go through my Bible again and what it just emphasizes. There's blessings for obedience. There's curses for disobedience. It's mentioned again and again and again. That's the theme of the whole book. You read that, that's a good reminder. Read Proverbs 7 this morning. 
Boy, some reminder about morality there. Doing the right thing there. I was reading in Matthew this morning. It'll help you. God's Word will give you wisdom. And finally, we get wisdom when we learn from the reproofs of life. When we learn from the reproofs of life. The Bible says this. It says a wise man will hear and will increase learning. I did not always enjoy reproofs. Good night. I don't enjoy reproofs as a 62-year-old man. But I sure didn't when I was a teenager. And my parents were really good at reproving. They believed in spanking, in corrections, and they never thought they were done teaching. And boy, sometimes I would bridle at that. I would sit there and say, oh, really? Come on now. But in hindsight, it's amazing how wise I see my parents were. My dad would say, don't do this. You can't do this. And if I did that, I would be punished for it. And until I was about 16, he punished with a rod. Because it talks about a rod in the Bible. That was not good. For several reasons. Number one, my dad was not the type of person who would chase me through the house. My mom would. Don't you ever do that again. Anyone have a mom like that? All right. My dad was very calm. Seven kids in our family. I never saw him lose his temper one time. And he would say, you stand on that washcloth, you bend over and grab your ankles. He said, if you come off the washcloth, you get five extra swats. So how would you describe that? Not good. <laughs> That's one reason it wasn't good. The second reason was, back in those days, the basketball shorts were short shorts. Not like the current culottes of today. And if you got a spanking, especially for my mother, you would see stripes across my legs, basically from the top of my knees to where it would no longer show. And I'd go out to pee, having to wear shorts, and all my friends said, Ras got a whipping. <laughs> How sick is that? So you try to pull the shorts down to be kind of a little bit of a low riders, you know? It didn't work. But you know what I learned? I didn't want that to continue to happen. I would try to learn from those reproofs. God will reprove you. The Bible says he chastens every son whom he loveth. Listen now, be times. There will be, if you will, a spiritual spanking. Will you learn from that? Or you say, eh, I blew it again. No, wise men will hear it will increase learning. David was a good son. David developed his gifts. David was brave. But David was wise. I think probably every student here could give me the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. No, let's learn from our mistakes. Let's ask God to help us to grow. God tells us we are to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The choice is ours. Are you growing as a Christian? 
or he just, oh, that's the way I've always been. David grew in a lot of areas, and God used him in an amazing way. But then we see one more thing here in this passage. The last few words ought to provoke us. It's the, and the Lord is with him. Now, friends, David didn't say this about himself. A servant saw this. The Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. I have seen some people that I just knew the Lord was with them. You've read the stories of people like D.L. Moody and R.I. Torrey and Charles Haddon Spurgeon and David Livingston and Adnira Judson, A.V. Carmichael. How about Rick Martin? How about people who are giving people that you know? That give of their time, their talent, their treasure to make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ. It says about Joseph again and again and again, the Lord is with him. About Daniel, the Lord is with him. And the servant said about David, I call this his one verse resume, the Lord is with him. Can I challenge you to live in such a way that when people watch you, say, you know, that person walks with the Lord. The Lord is with him. The Lord is with her. That's a person who really prays for people. I'll give you a, a thought. If there is a potentially serious health issue in your family, who would you go to pray for, for that issue? But I want to carry that one step farther. If somebody had a serious health issue in their family, would they ask you to pray? I think they'd want someone to say, hey, the Lord's with him. My wife was having some very serious tasks, and uh, they were afraid it might be cancer. This was several years ago. We went to the hospital. I went with her, and they said, this doesn't look good. They said, we're going to send you down to Kaiser, and you're going to have to have these other tests. But this looks like she has breast cancer. You know what I did? I called two people to pray. I actually called three. I called my dad. I called pastor. I called Dr. Getch. We didn't know yet. So would you just please pray about this? Would you like to know why I did that? I felt the Lord was with them. You may say, well, Dr. R, people aren't going to say the Lord's with me. Can I say this? Today is the first day of the rest of your Christian life. God wants to work in you and through you. God wants to use you. The choice is yours. The choice to start living with integrity right now. To develop your gifts. To honor your parents. To be a valiant person. To take a stand for the Lord. Maybe in your home. Maybe in your work. I know some people. Talked to a young man. Met a young man the other day. Visiting here from Colorado. From Saudi Arabia. His family is not independent Baptist. I've already prayed for him that God would help him to stand. He's made some choices. Maybe it's not that difficult for you, but it's often far easier to do nothing than it is to stand. Let's look at the verse one more time, if you will. The Bible says this, I've seen a son of Jesse, a good son, 
that is cunning and playing, he developed his gifts. A mighty valiant man, he took a stand. A man of war certainly goes with that. Prudent in matters, he had wisdom. A comely person, and the Lord is with him. Well-rounded, yes. Did he have a cause? He said, is there not a cause? Yes. And I want to share one more thing. Look forward to chapter 17, if you will. We'll close with this. Chapter 17, verses 46 and 47. See, how do you do that? It comes down to where is your confidence? For Samuel 17, verse 46 and 47. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. Listen now. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Can I close by saying this, friends? He had faith in God. We might say today, how did that work out? Not good for Goliath. Just a shepherd boy. But he did these things. And God used him in a great and a mighty way. Today I'd like to ask you, how are you doing on developing your resume? How's that going in your life? Maybe this morning you could take just a minute or two and pray and ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Whether it's following my earthly father or my heavenly father, help me to develop my gifts in college. Help me to take a stand. Help me to seek to grow in wisdom. Help me to live in such a way that people can see that the Lord is with me.